Welcome to Context, the podcast from Arizona State University's Construction Technologies class, giving you an inside look into the backgrounds and theories of the subjects covered in this course. Hello, context. We're uh, we're excited to be together um, for another session of this Con 453 recording, and to be um, getting ready to to launch off into really, uh, I'll say the next direction. I was about to say a new direction, but I guess it's not new, right, Steve? It's maybe just more next because they've had some industry infusion along the way so far. Yeah, I feel like this is a really good next direction, though. Based on we've done a whole bunch of we had when I used to be at, at Gilbane, we always say plan the work, work the plan. We've done a whole lot of plan the work, right? That's been a most of the first part of the semester. So let's let's work the plan. What what happens throughout the rest of the project now? So I feel like this should be a fun next chapter for the course. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe just as a quick kind of rehasher for for the students, you know, when you think about when we all came together, you know, session one and started talking, we kind of laid this plan out for you to, to Steve's point about planning the work and then working the plan. And so You've already gone through now essentially two modules of this course, right? Really, we kind of covered just the basics, right? Um, of kind of what is this whole BIM thing and technology thing um, and how do we interact with it in, in industry kind of holistically? And I think you heard some really good things around coordination, philosophy from um, Eric Silwick. We heard a lot about um, kind of the, the, the real whole idea of, you know, the um, Steve, the the term is escaping me that he used, but the information backbone. Thank you, information backbone. I was thinking the the brain, but I was like, no, it's not the brain. It's the information backbone. Um, really, is kind of the basis for all of this, which is what we're accomplishing through the integration of BIM and, and technology into our projects. Um, and then we've gone into the next step, which is the the BIM PXP, and kind of helped you understand that process, which is exactly that detailed planning and. You're probably sick of that detail by this point after having gone through your, your process of authoring your own PXP. Um, but really now we, we take our, our next step into the, um, into the class, into you know, how do we now apply this in industry? And so this is going to be the first of several segments, and we're literally going to walk through over these next several sessions together the life cycle of a project, right? First is the pursuit and then we continue on through after winning the job into design phase, and we'll have a couple of sessions on that. Then we get into the construction side, um, and there's several different interesting facets around, you know, how we construct our projects, um, not only from site management, safety, prefabrication, so forth. And then, you know, as as we as builders don't necessarily always think about, there's a whole life after us. The whole world actually doesn't evolve around you as a builder. So if that was your, um, you know kind of vision going into this, let me, you know, shatter your, your perspective now. And if you need a few minutes, go ahead, pause the recording, um, you know, shed a tear and then come back and listen once you're emotionally reset and ready to handle the rest of the conversation. But yes, the world does not evolve around you as a builder. Um, there's a whole life after this. So we'll, we'll talk about some commissioning and some facility operations that really is truly that the life of the building, um, beyond us as the designers and builders. Um, so that'll be how we kind of wrap up this technology applied and then we'll finish off this semester with a, a fourth kind of shorter version around entrepreneurship with technology. But um, long story short, we are officially at, at a hinge point in the class. We're now transitioning into that next step. Um, Steve, anything else about this transition you want the students to understand or if I uh, had gone on enough? 
I think that's great. Yeah, I think they're ready for it. I think this is this is um, an exciting part of the semester where you get to sort of compare what you've done in planning to see how people do it in practice. And they may do some things similarly. They may do some things differently. Um, I will say one thing you didn't exactly mention. We've got a number of guest speakers coming up, and they're great. I, I will say um, I'm super excited for the list of guest speakers we have. We've been lucky to have abundance where we can handpick our top choice favorites and we've got some good ones. So I'm, I'm excited for you all in the weeks coming up. Well, and, and, you know, really Steve, exactly on that point you mentioned there, it's probably worth saying, you know, obviously, um, you know, the students know I'm, I'm a Mortensen employee as much as I'm a faculty associate for ASU. And so a lot of what they hear, you know, from that perspective has the, you know, call it the Mortensen lens across it. Right. Um, and I'll pull no punches about it, you guys, that, you know, as I talk about my subjects, you're, you're still going to get that. I'll do my best to give you the industry perspective, um, as I have been around to a couple other firms, but I've been at Mortensen now for seven years. So you can't help but drink the, the blue Kool-Aid, um, as it were. So you're going to get a little of that perspective. But also exactly to that point, these, these industry experts that we're bringing in to guest lecture, um, you know, come from all sorts of other different companies. So we're going to get you know, someone who's from Corbin's Electric talking about prefabrication and what they're doing in their shop, right? Um, you're going to get it straight from the horse's mouth on someone who's doing digital building. So straight from the horse's mouth on someone who lived commissioning for the better part of his career. You're going to get straight from the horse's mouth on someone who's actually operating facilities today. So it's not going to be Chase, you know, pontificating about how someone might do this, right? We're actually going to have Abby Hoover from RSP Architects, who's a professional designer, um, in the class with us talking about how design works um, and how they integrate technology. So that's that's really, um, to Steve's point, the opportunity that comes with this is we're bringing in the industry experts that live and breathe this to, to share their knowledge. So um, yeah, good, enough there. Um, I think they get the message that we're transitioning and we're bringing the appropriate experts. So really, as we talk about pursuits and proposals, um, that's, again, that's the, the first step in a in a project's life cycle, as you're concerned, um, from an industry participant's perspective, you have to go out and win that work to be able to bring it in-house to eventually participate in pre-construction and eventually build it and then let someone maintain it. So that's what we're gonna be talking about in this first session. Um, and really, I wanna keep some of the powder dry about the actual proposal process for the conversation that we'll have in class. Um, for, the, for the subject matter of the, of the podcast, I want to keep the conversation around um, technology and how we're maybe sometimes inclined to bring technology into the conversation in the proposal process versus how we ought to bring um, technology into the conversation in the proposal process. So um, as Steve and I have kind of talked about and shared with you all over the course of this class, a lot of times technology takes on this, you know, kind of call it a, a bright, shiny perspective. You know, we, we have these tools and toys that we think are, are super special, um, maybe super unique, and probably super advantageous that are gonna deliver these either really unique um, or singular opportunities for our customers. And, and we believe they differentiate us um, to a significant degree that deserves us the win, right? And so to, to maybe start off, that's the trap I want us to all acknowledge on the front end, um, is that the, the technologies that we have, the technologies that we participate in, um, we need to, to maybe humble ourselves a little bit and acknowledge or, or accept the fact that that may not be what the project is going to demand or what the project is going to require, or maybe even the customer. The project might require it um, because we have that expertise and we know that it needs it, but the customer might not yet be ready for that technology and all of that entails. 
Um, and I'm obviously nuancing there a little bit, um, and we can dive further into that conversation as we go into class. Um, so that's, that's maybe comment number one is there are traps within the world of technology and proposals that, um, can actually lose you the job as opposed to winning you the job, because maybe you come off as too expensive because, oh my gosh, how much is all that going to cost? What kind of a premium am I paying for all that stuff? Right. Or, oh, my goodness, I'm supposed to receive something on the back end of a job. I have no way to receive all of that. I, I'm not going to ever use that. What, why do I care about that? Right. Um, so, again, just some traps to be cognizant of as you're thinking about what technologies might you introduce into the proposal or into the pursuit process. Um, and over the life of that process, how, how do you bring them in and how do you bring them up? So the other side of that coin is there are opportunities to technology. Um, you know, again, kind of the converse side of that same coin, there are certain technologies that the project is going to demand. There are certain customers that are going to demand certain types of technologies be brought into their, their projects. Um, if you recall, or from earlier on in the semester, when we had Josh Hornstein with us talking about his healthcare facility, um, that, and I think he mentioned something about it being one of the fastest healthcare facilities built, um, for our business at that point in time. And so it was very, very clear early on in that project that there was no way to deliver to the customer's expectation on speed and quality without the integration of BIM, right? Um, so you can bet that some of those early um, engagements with the customer required a lot of BIM, right? Um, maybe customers don't necessarily have good line of sight to everything that's in their facility um, and they need some way to capture all that data very, very quickly. So there's, there's obviously, again, some nuance I'm alluding to here about our listening skills to our customers as they talk about their projects, as we listen to the designers. Um, and we can then go out and figure out what are the right technologies to apply to solve um, that, that demand. And so, you know, if you guys haven't learned anything from me over this um, semester we've been together, one of my big soapboxes that I'll get on any chance you give me the opportunity to is my soapbox around communication. Um, as much as this business is all about building and there's sticks and bricks components to it, it really doesn't matter how good you are at the sticks and bricks if you can't communicate and you can't listen um, because otherwise you're going to be missing the boat. Just like in this proposal conversation, you'll, you'll try and be forcing your own solution as opposed to bringing in the solution that the customer or the project demands. So um, enough of that soapbox. I think you kind of understand both the traps and the opportunities of technology as it applies to our proposals and our pursuits of projects. And again, we'll, we'll dive further into that um, in the course conversation. Steve, um, anything you can add to the, to the students and to the conversation around how do we um, assess kind of this whole opportunity of the problem? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the strategies you're describing, even though we, we just talked at the beginning about we're in the new chapter of the course, it's a similar strategy to what we talked about in the PXP. You know, for the students listening, when we did our value proposition day, remember the three things I was talking about? And one of the first was undeniable value, right? We want to provide value that anyone in construction would want. And in, in no way did we ever define success by the successful implementation of a tool. Right. And if technology is just a tool in the same way, we wouldn't define a, a successful construction project by how many hammers we had on site. That would be silly. Right. In that same way, we wouldn't define success in BIM by how many licenses of Revit or that we were able to open a model on an iPhone or that none of that really matters. Those are just tools. And so what I like about what you're talking about, Chase, of kind of be willing to listen to an owner, be willing to hear what they need 
if you're willing to be wrong, and I'm using air quotes when I say this, wrong in your, inis- in your initial thoughts of what you want to do, and you're willing to be wrong and willing to hear from them, they're probably going to volunteer what they want to pay for. They're going to give you a sense of these are the things that, that matter. Use that information. That's your competitive edge right there. You want, want to win work? Listen, they're going to tell you what they want. So in that, they're going to probably give a sense of either pain points or things you're a little stressed about or things that they had in the past that they do not want to hit again or something that happened with a different uh, contractor that's maybe one of your competitors that doesn't work with this client anymore because they did something that you're going to want to avoid. Right? All of these things, they may drop hints in different contexts or terms. What you should be hearing there are different um, opportunities. Most of them may not have a technological solution, but some might. And when they do, when they say something that they say, gosh, if I could just see what was behind this wall, we, we, we waste so much time trying to find our, our components because they're hidden because of the nature of our facility, whatever. And you say, oh, I just saw some demonstration about HoloLens that I was playing with. Now, all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to suggest it. But the point that we're getting at here is start with the problem. Start with understanding the need. Right. I said day one, technology was just a tool to serve human users. And everyone kind of looked at me with glazed eyes and said, yeah, we know. But this is how the rubber hits the road there. This is what that means. Listen to what they want. They're going to likely volunteer it. They won't volunteer it in super clear terms of do you maybe have a technology that does. Right. They won't, they won't know it that specifically, but they will give you a sense of eh, this is kind of a pain point for us or this is a stress or I don't want to do this again. When you get that information, use that. Right. This is similar to the kind of thought processes processes we talked about in PXP and the discussions you probably had in your team. What are your overarching aims for the project that you all define? What technology supports those aims? It's not an entirely different thought process, but here, and as it relates to proposals, we're specifically interested in the owner side. And as Chase mentioned, for some of you, you may have said, well, I haven't been an owner. Well, then this is a really good opportunity to, to listen from those owners and hear then what is it that they see as an opportunity? Because their uh, use of the building is very different from yours. If you can serve their needs, you've got a much better chance of getting buy-in than trying to serve other needs and convincing them they're their own needs. If you follow that logic, it's better to just listen to them, address their problems that they voice. So start with the problem, focus on the problem, listen to what they say. If and when you have innovation that addresses that, that's when you that's when you innovate. That's when you kind of... Uh, jump at the opportunity perfect yeah that that was awesome steve and you know for for the students you know um something that might be going through your mind right now is well i'm i'm never going to interface with the customer like that i'm never going to you know do bd right I, I would caution you on that don't 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 get down that thought process too far um the first caution i would tell you is that you know while today's conversation is about the owner perspective as you win work um keeping a broader lens on customers you're gonna have a lot of customers. You know, you have a lot of you have a lot of customers today. You're gonna to have a lot of customers as you go out in the industry. Um, think about your trade partners, your designers, um, and yes, your owners, because you're gonna be sitting in an OAC with them. And maybe you're working on a project at that point in time, but they're probably gonna be talking about stuff with other projects that are probably in planning and could become your projects. I mean, just a simple maybe case in point without going too far. Um, we're currently doing a job for a customer. And um, they've they've started asking our senior project manager to um, help them with some other potential issues, and so I've been able to start to re-engage with that PM because he had the the understanding to realize he didn't know how to solve all those problems and he needed to pull in a partner in crime, 
And so now we're, we're working on assessing some of those opportunities and it will eventually turn into a project. And yeah, we're doing this exact same thing we're talking about today is we're saying, okay, let's make sure we understand exactly what they need and what their problem is. And let's pull in the right solutions. Some of them technological, frankly, some of them not in this, in this case. And we're presenting the customer with the right information so they can advance the project. And yeah, you better believe we're trying to negotiate opportunities to be able to get direct selected. Or if we can't, then hey, how can we position ourselves to be in a preferential um, position for that when it eventually competes, right? So these are all things that, yeah, if you're going to be living on a project, which I think is what you want to do for most of you and listening to this podcast, you'll be facing this type of situation sooner than you know it. So enough of that. Um, I think we've, we've pounded that pretty well. So for the what's next, let's go there. Um, here, here's what I want you all to be thinking about. And um, this is something that's happening in real time um, for a customer that you know and a customer that you're working with on a daily basis as a student of ASU. Um, so ASU is, as you know, on their Tempe campus has a very, very full campus, lots and lots of facilities, right? And they're all over the map from age, right? From all the way back at the old main and um, some of the other facilities there near old main, they actually are on the historic register because they've been around since the 1800s, early 1900s, um, all the way to facilities that are brand new, right? Like the ISTV7 that's getting built on the corner right now is going to finish up next year. Um, so ASU has a very, very dense campus with all sorts of different facilities. Um, and so here, here's what's happening and here's what I want you to think about. So that with all the facilities they have, they actually have quite a significant number that are aged or aging. Um, and that's, that's a specific comment because really what we're talking about here is um, they've, they've either received or not received a, a significant amount of their deferred maintenance. And so um, for those aged facilities, they're, they're actually um, you know, probably needing to be retired. So the assessment that ASU is undergoing with a, with a handful of their um, facilities there on campus is, what are we supposed to do with these facilities? Um, should we demo them outright um, and return some of this space to green space or to you know, kind of more, um, say, community serving spaces? Do we need to demo and replace some of these facilities um, because we still need the academic units or we still need um, you know, maybe a space for advising or some other type of a, a purpose, right? So demo, demo and replace. And the last one is, or do we just renovate the building? Is it not so far gone that we can, you know, breathe some new life into the existing good bones of the building. So that's what's happening, literally real time. Um, they're going through this process and evaluating several of the different buildings on campus. So um, while that may sound like a problem, it is, but there's also a lot of other problems within that that they are needing to solve, right? Um, so the thing I want you to, number one, consider as you're finishing your walk or your coffee is, what might be some of the problems that ASU is trying to solve as they're doing this assessment of these facilities? Um, number two item I want you to think about is again, you've had some good exposure so far along the course to some potential technologies that can help to maybe solve some of those problems, or maybe through your internships or your industry experience, you've had exposure to some potential technologies. And so I don't want you to necessarily go out to the universe of aspirational technology. I wanna keep yourself grounded in current real serving technologies that might be able to be introduced to help to solve the potential problem that you've identified. And then um, last but not least, you know, kind of buried in that second question, I want you to make sure you're thinking in detail about how your identified technology is going to solve your identified problem um, and, and, and how might you actually execute that process um, and how, again, is it actually going to serve the customer? 
because you have to start with, as Steve always says, the end in mind, right? Again, you're solving that problem. You're not forcing a square peg into a round hole. It's, um, it's, it's really beginning with that problem first. And again, we'll have a conversation about that further in class. We'll, we'll, um, it won't be about this exact same um, example, but it'll still be that same kind of thought process, understanding the customer problem, number one. Number two, applying a technology appropriately to that problem. And then number three, making sure we've got a robust plan and how we're going to apply and communicate that solution to the customer. With that, we hope this gave you some context.